Welcome to the first SDA podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God. another hearty amen this morning. We want to thank our children's choir, each one of our praise team members, our choir, of our soloists, our musicians, for your ministry and song and warming our hearts and reminding us that we don't have to get all deep and complicated with God. Simple words, simple words, simple words will reach your heart, uh, will go from your heart to the ears of God and God will respond to your prayers, prayers, your cries, and your petitions. Uh, today, I'm excited to be here in the house of the Lord. How about you today, saints? Thankful for God's blessing, his goodness, and his mercies toward us always. Uh, today, with your permission, we're going to go ahead and jump right on into the word. Is that all right? Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to stand to your feet for the reading of God's word today. And we're not going to be long this morning. I just want to share a few brief thoughts with you. And then I'm going to transition over to be with our men at the men's retreat this afternoon as we try to bond and lift them up and encourage one another as we grow in our journey of faith together. The book of St. Luke chapter 6. St. Luke chapter 6. And we'll begin together at verse number 12. When you get there for me, let me hear you say amen. St. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12. Again, when you get there, just say, Pastor, I'm, I'm here. Amen. Do me a favor, I'm looking at y'all. Some of y'all still look a little stressed today. Turn to your neighbor real quick. Just let them know it's going to be all right. Turn to the other neighbor. Let them know God is still on the throne. Let them know he, he ain't going nowhere. Let them know he's on the throne. He's still up there. Amen. Amen. Luke chapter 6 and uh, verse number 12, and we'll... Read down to about verse number 19. The Bible says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out to the mountain to pray, and he continued all night in prayer. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he also named Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon called the Zealot, Judas the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. Then in verse 17, the Bible says, and then he came where? He came down with them, and he stood on a what? Stood on a level place with a crowd of his disciples and a great multitude of the people from all Judea and Jerusalem and from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon who came to hear and be healed of their diseases as well as those who were tormented with unclean spirits. And the word of God is simple. The Bible says, and they were what? And they were healed. And the whole multitude sought to touch him for power went out from him, and he healed how many? And he healed them all. But again, I want to read for just emphasis verse 17. Then he came down with them and stood on a level place. Today, saints, I want to talk for just a brief moment under the subject, why Jesus came to your level. Why Jesus came to your level. Let's pray together. Father, I ask that just in a little while that you would say much, that you would teach for some and reinforce for others the merits, the value, the significance that we have because of what Jesus did for us. So my prayer is simply this, that you would hide me in the shadows of the cross, that Jesus alone might be seen, that Christ alone would be heard, and at the end of all things, may Jesus alone be praised. Bless us during this time, we pray. In the matchless name of Jesus, let God's people say together, amen. 
And amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord today. And the ushers will invite those who are in the hallway to let them in quickly here. Again, talking on the subject why Jesus decided to get on your level. You know, saints, one of the, one of the beauties, one of the beauties of Jesus is how powerfully he is able to relate to his children. Hebrews 4.15 says that we have not such a high priest who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But in all points, he was tempted like we are and yet he is without sin. And, and one of the great mysteries of theology, in fact, is the incarnation of Jesus, because humanly, you can't really reconcile how Jesus was fully God, and yet he was fully man at the same time. And the inability to merge those two ideas actually creates skepticism for some but for me, it is that reality that fosters my faith. I love the fact that Jesus was both God and man. You see, because Jesus was fully man, he would get tired and fall asleep in the bottom of a ship. But because he was fully God, he could speak and the winds and waves obey him. Because he was fully man, he would get hungry and need to eat. But because he was fully God, he could feed 5,000 from the same paper bag. Because as a man, there were times he didn't always have financial provision for taxes. But because he was God, he could find the money he need in a fish's mouth at the bottom of the sea. Because he was a man, he was able to weep when Lazarus died. But because he was God, he was able to call Lazarus from the grave after four days. As a man, he bled when the nails pierced him, but because he was God, he could say, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Because he was a man, he groaned when they beat him, but because he was God, he was able to say, no man takes my life from me, but I lay it down, and when I get ready, I'm going to take it back up again. Because he was a man, he gave up the ghost and died on Good Friday. But because he was God, he was raised with resurrection power on Sunday morning. And the beauty of the man who was God and the God who was man, because he was both, he is able to master your circumstance and at the same time minister to you in it. Mm. In other words, we serve a God who is able to change your situation, but until he changes it, he can minister to you before it changes. Are you with me today, saints? And I need you to know that I stand in awe of the God who can change the situation, but I'm falling in love with the God who keeps me in the situation. You, you see, my God is able to relate to whatever you go through. Are you hearing me today, saints? See, Jesus is able to say, I know what it is to be poor. For foxes had holes and birds had nests, but the Son of Man had no place to lay his head. He's saying, I know what it's like to raise bad kids because my rebellious children always stray away from me. He's saying, I know what it is to not have your prayers answered. For in Gethsemane, the Father told me there's no way beside the cross. He's saying, I know what it is to be tempted because even though I did not sin, the Bible says he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. He's saying, I know what it is to experience loss, for I gave my only beloved son that whosoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. And I need you to know the greatness of God is that he is God and man. And even before he changes the situation, because he was a man, he can minister to you in the situation. And see, the reason we don't trust God to minister is because we only know him as God, but we forget he was man. See, the reason we don't think he relates is we only know him on where he is, but we forgot where he was. And the reason I can trust God is because not only is he on the throne, at some point he sat to where we now sit. Y'all not with me today. 
See, let me just say it this way. E even just very last night, had a situation in the house where I was going through some stuff and I ran across some photo albums and some old yearbooks, ran across some old pictures. In fact, I sent a few pictures to some of y'all last night. But the crazy thing that happened is I, the kids saw some pictures of me when I was six and seven and in high school. And for the younger two, it was their first time really seeing their daddy as a child. In other words, they've only known me as an adult. Are you with me? In other words, they were surprised to see that I was thick on my head and thin in my waist. Uh, see, see, the time they've known me, I've always been thick in the waist and thin up top. Are y'all hearing me today? And, and it's crazy because they struggle to reconcile that even though he's fully an adult, one day, back in the day, he was fully a child. In other words, they struggle to get that the one who gives the rules was one who broke the rules. Uh, the, the one who orders chores used to have to do some chores. And because they recognized that I used to be a child for a temporary moment, it gave me some credibility because they believed I was aware of their situation. And for a minute, I could talk to them about bullying. I could talk to them about rejection. I could talk to them about low self-esteem and who I was didn't change, but their perception of my ability to relate changed because they realized that I was where they are right now. And the good thing about God is that even though he is fully God, he's seen everything you've seen. He's faced everything you face. He's been every road that you travel. And the way he knows how to bring you out is because he's already gone through himself. Can the church say amen? And so the word says to us here in Luke chapter 6 and verse 17, let me just unpack this a little bit, then I'm going to sit down. The Bible says, and he came down, talking about from the mountain, with them. And the Bible says he stood on a what? Level place with a crowd of his disciples and the great multitude of people from Judea and Jerusalem, from the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon, all came to hear him and be healed of his diseases. Now, saints... I believe that this story of Jesus' healing tends to be a little bit more obscure than all of the rest because there is no central character that we tend to be able to relate to. But Jesus here conducts a mass healing with implications that are more powerful than we can see at first glance. You see, I believe that from his journey to his posture to his physical location, Jesus communicates some things that embody the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, the Bible says to us saints that the night before, Jesus had spent the entire night in prayer on the mountain. And then from there, he begins to instruct his disciples on the mountain. Then he goes and ordains and prays his, his disciples on the mountain. But when it's time to serve the people, the Bible says he comes down to a level place. In other words, when it's time to serve, he doesn't want to be on a hill. He wants to be on a level place. When it's time to minister, he doesn't want to be on an incline. He wants to be on a level place. When it's time to bless the people, he doesn't want them looking up at him. He wants them looking over at him. So he goes down to a level place. In other words, beloved, when they first meet Jesus, they don't have to look up at exalted God. They're able to look over and touch a personal redeemer. Now, in order to get this, beloved, you've got to realize that during this time, everything in the society was built upon a hierarchy. Are you with me today, saints? In other words, the caste system that was prevalent during the patriarchal age had a way of dividing the haves from the have-nots. If you were a teacher or a person of importance, whenever you were in public, you had to be in a physical position of supremacy to separate yourself. So that if you were a teacher, you would stand on a hill, or you would be in an exalted seat at a banquet, or you would stand high on a, uh, uh, on a chariot. And what happened in the time is you had all these different levels of superiority so that the Romans looked down at the Jews, the Jews looked down at the Gentiles, the Samaritans looked down at everybody else. You had the men that looked down at the women. But Jesus now stands on a level place to let them know that in Jesus there is no hierarchy. 
In other words, what Jesus does is that Jesus never looks down on anybody. He never entertains any partition. He never accepts any position. He never gives any credence to any separation. He literally tears down the wall of partition. And the reason that Jesus stands in a level place, the reason he does not look down on them is he wants them to understand from the beginning that Christianity was never to be condescending. See, 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 the problem is that we are intentional at times about trying to separate ourselves. See, the problem with the church is that we put a lot of emphasis on being different and being distinct, which is good. But the problem is we tried so hard to be different from the culture that we began to withdraw and sequester ourselves from the culture instead of trying to win them with the good news of Jesus. Are you hearing me, saints? But did you notice that Jesus models something different for us? In fact, the treat, uh, credit critique of Jesus from the Jewish leaders is that he hung out with tax collectors and sinners that were supposed to be beneath him. They got angry because he would hang out with Gentiles that were supposed to be beneath him. He would give voice to women that were considered subservient at that time. But Jesus not, did not allow for any us versus them or we and them over there because he realized that the ground was supposed to be level at the foot of the cross. He is the God of all people. His motif is inclusion. And the motive for service has to be willingness and not worthiness. Are you with me today, saints? So that if we're going to follow in the example of Jesus, we can't move away from the community we're supposed to serve. We're supposed to get closer to the community we've been called to reach. And let me just suggest that the reason that some of us don't have no witness today is that we've been so busy trying to get on the next level that we forgot that we have to get on the level of the people we're supposed to reach with the good news of Jesus. Are you hearing me today, saints? In other words, Jesus going by and coming on the level teaches us that the ministry of Christ was never to be condescending. And see, the reason, beloved, that some of us don't have no witness and no real impact in the gospel is your witness has become too condescending. Come on and say amen today. See, see what happens for some of us is almost unconsciously we reach a point where we allow our religion to make us feel superior. And see, what happens is without knowing it, I see it here in the church, and I'm the pastor. See, some of us have this religion of superiority, and without even knowing it, you talk down to people without knowing it. And see, sometimes there's judgment in your tone. There's judgment in the way you look. There's judgment in the way you handle folk. There's judgment in the way you examine her dress when she walks in church. There's judgment in the way you look at the plate of food they have at dinner. There's judgment in the way you shake people's fingers and not their hands. There's judgment in the way you interact with everybody around you. And the reason our religion has made us feel superior is even seen in our testimony because when you testify, you make yourself look better than Jesus. But how many of us know that when you testify, you're not supposed to make yourself look good. You're supposed to make Jesus look good. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And the thing you got to get about good religion is that good religion does not exalt you. It indicts you. See, Romans says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And see, even though I'm glad to have the truth, the thing about having the truth is that it doesn't make me arrogant. It makes me humble. It makes me have gratitude. And the fact that God chose me, it doesn't make me feel exclusive. It's a message of inclusion that says if God chooses me, then God can choose you too. Are you hearing me today, saints? And see, how many of us understand that we got saved not because we reached a certain level. We got saved because Jesus came down to your level. Okay. See, the problem and the reason some of us can't shout is because, see, we thought being a Christian meant that I have to be different from them. But, see, the measure of my Christianity is not how different I am from them. The measure is how different I am from when I first believed. Mm -mm. It's how different I am from my former self. And, and see, the problem is, if I'm trying to be different from them, then my barometer for spiritual growth is comparison. 
but the barometer for growth can't be comparison, it has to be examination. In other words, I'll never measure my goodness by your fallenness. I've got to measure how strong I am by where I am as opposed to where Christ first found me. And see, the truth is that there are some of us that won't rejoice in this thing, but the truth is Jesus found all of us somewhere. Listen, I know your Bible is big and your skirts are long and you know all the verses to every hymn in the hymn book. But the truth is that God found some of us somewhere where we should not have been. Come on and say amen. And the truth is that we don't measure growth by looking at each other. We measure growth against our former self. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And I just need you to know that even if you're not all that you ought to be, can anybody just say, I praise God that I'm better than I used to be, and I'm getting better and better by the grace of the Almighty God. Are you hearing me today, saints? Second reason that Jesus comes down to a level place is he wants to make it easy for them to reach him. You see, saints, you can't do a mass healing in the mountains. Because if he does a mass healing in the mountains, what that does is it literally cuts off a certain portion of those that actually need to be healed by Jesus. So that if he has the healing in the mountains, if you're crippled in your legs, you can't get to Jesus. If you're lame in your feet, somebody's got to carry you there. If you're an aged person, you can't make a journey into the mountains. And if you've got blindness in your eyes, you're vulnerable trying to make the trip. And so if he stays in the mountain, you would actually have to get better in order to make it to him. But, but the reason he doesn't stay in the mountain is he doesn't want to communicate a message that you've got to get well in order to come to Jesus. He wants to communicate that I'll meet you where you are and I'll make you like you're supposed to be. In other words, stop with the religion that says I got to fix myself up before I come to Jesus. I come just as I am and Jesus makes me like I'm supposed to be. In other words, I believe that Jesus is like Obamacare. Mm. See, some of y'all are not with me today. Y'all remember before the Affordable Health Care Act, what could happen is you wouldn't be covered if you had pre-existing conditions. In other words, the insurance company had set it up to where if you were already sick, then you couldn't receive no coverage. But why want an insurance company that won't cover me if I get sick? I need an insurance company that covers me no matter my condition. And how many of us know that Jesus is better than the Affordable Health Care Act? In other words, you ain't got to get well in order to be covered, but you can be messed up and get covered. You can have illness and be covered. You can be faulty and be covered. No matter what the condition, you get covered by Jesus. And see, the reason that Jesus does, does come down off of the mountain is that he's trying to demonstrate his willingness to move toward human brokenness. See, the reason that's important is because the failure of human religion over all of the years is our fundamental inability and awkwardness around human brokenness. So that when you look in the day of Jesus Christ, what religion did is it built walls instead of bridges to the neighborhood. So that if you were a leper, what they did was they herded you into a leper's colony where you would ultimately be left to die. If you are a woman like the woman with the issue of blood, you will be considered unclean and separated from the community of faith. If you were like the woman of Samaria that had all these husbands, you would have to go and get your water in the heat of the day because you wanted to avoid the stigma of the religious culture of that time. If you were the woman caught in adultery, you were immediately set aside to be stoned instead of ministered to in a word of grace. And what the religion of that time did was that it segmented and separated and isolated and set apart everybody that had brokenness. In other words, it was a religion for whole people and, and see the problem with religion even up until this day is that we, we're good with a religion that only deals with the spiritual but even in our time we struggle with human brokenness 
In other words, we don't like to touch issues like depression or homosexuality or drug abuse or divorce in church. We create all of these different ways of building walls around those things so that we don't have to see it or deal with it. But we can never become the true church of Christ while we just isolate people. But we've got to welcome all of God's children and minister out of a heart that is filled with grace and not out of eyes and mouths that are filled with judgment. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And so you got to see what Jesus is doing is that literally what happens is you have all cultures coming together at one time. You got the religious folk from Jerusalem. You got the country folk from Judea. You got the witches and the warlocks from Tyre and Sidon. And they all come to the same place. And how many of us know that every community is to have its nexus in Jesus? Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And so what Jesus does, man, he, he literally, what he does, where the scribes and the Pharisees, the, the priests and the prop, they all trying to separate themselves from the issues of people. But literally what Jesus does, his physical positioning is communicating a larger spiritual reality. So he doesn't stay up in the mountain with the disciples. He doesn't stay up in the mountains with the 12. But the Bible says he literally comes down on a level place where the broken can reach him, where the afflicted can reach him. And he stands right there in the open. And he don't stand behind no curtain. He doesn't stand behind any veil. He doesn't have any bodyguards. He doesn't have anybody you got to go through. But he stands where everybody can reach him to send the message that I'm available to whatever your condition is. In other words, he's saying to the body, I'm not intimidated by your condition. I'm available to your condition. I'm not scared of your condition. I can meet whatever your condition is. And the reason I'm saying this to the church is that there are way too many of us that are not condemned by church, but you've allowed yourself to be condemned by your condition. And, and you live under the accuser's thumb and you're afraid to approach spiritual things, not realizing that you serve a God that's got room for all of the conditions of humanity. See, see, there are certain Bible texts that I don't think we really appreciate as church people. So that when Jesus stood up and said stuff like this, all that come to me, I will in no wise cast them out. See, see, just that statement alone hit those folk in a whole nother way. Because their whole life they've been shut out. Their whole life they've been treated as outsiders. Their whole life they've been set aside. Their whole life they've been marginalized. Their whole life they've been treated as nothing. But now you have this one teacher that has no criteria, that has no benchmark, that doesn't require a whole bunch of stuff, but he simply says, whosoever will, let him come. And so I need somebody to understand that no matter what your condition, it does not alienate you from Jesus. So I need you to know that your pornography doesn't alienate you from Jesus. Your, your getting pregnant doesn't alienate you from Jesus. Your smoking doesn't alienate you from Jesus. I need you to know your habit doesn't alienate you from Jesus because I need you to know that we serve a God that says where sin abounds. Where sin abounds. Grace does much more abound. And I need you to know that God's grace is even greater than your sins. And there's nothing that you do that alienates you from God. See, some of y'all still tripping because y'all like, no, certain people are going to go to hell. Do you realize that hell is not God's rejection of men? Hell is man's rejection of God. Oh, y'all didn't hear this thing today. Do, do you realize that hell is essentially grace for people that would be miserable in heaven? Are, are y'all hearing what I'm saying? That even destruction has grace mingled into it because to lock me in eternity, if my nature is carnal where it's always spiritual, are y'all hearing me say that even that's the grace of the Almighty God? And so what Jesus is trying to help us to understand is that there is nothing too great, nothing too hard, no stain too deep that the grace of Jesus cannot solve it. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? So, man, there's some things, just real quick, man, before I close, that really, man, just excite me about this text. 
Because one of the things that happens is the word says that people come from Judea and the seacoast of Tyre and Sidon and Jerusalem. And, and the word says that he heals them all. No, 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 y'all didn't get that. The word says that while he is healing, did y'all see that? That power or virtue is coming out of him. So that you realize what's happening is that, that if Jesus is down there, there, there's a line that's going all the way down the Adventist Boulevard. Are y'all hearing me, saints? In other words, everybody's in line to be able to get something from Jesus. And see, when they get the word that power or virtue is coming out of him, there's a part of them that gets a little bit nervous because they want to make sure that Jesus doesn't run out. But you notice that the word says that he healed them all. Y'all didn't get it. In other words, there's a, there's a part of them that gets nervous when they see somebody else get theirs and somebody else gets their sight and somebody else gets their healing and somebody else gets their uh, skin disease healed. And see, the fact that he heals all of them teaches that God never runs out. In other words, see, see, see there are some of us that don't rejoice when we see other people get blessed because we think that because God blessed them, that it's not going to be enough left over for me. But see, how many of us know that when you see other people get blessed, it ought not create discouragement. It ought to create anticipation. Oh, y'all didn't hear it today. In other words, when you get blessed, it actually causes me to get turned up. Because as the old preachers would say, if God blesses your neighbor, it just means he's in the neighborhood. It, it means he's on your block. It means he's on your street. It means he's close by. And so when you get a new house, I shout like I got a new house. When you get a new car, I shout like I got a new car. When you get healed, I shout like I get healed. When y'all have a baby, I shout like I'm having a baby. Because if God is in the vicinity, it means that he's in my reach. It means that he's close by. And I praise him in advance of what he's going to do. Are you hearing me to say, saints? And see, I need somebody to know that you are going to get to that place. Because see, if you're not careful while you're in line, you'll lose your faith watching other people get blessed. See, as quiet as it's kept in the church, there are some of us that don't like to see other people get blessed because it makes us feel bad about our own situation. In other words, the devil, if you're not careful, will turn you into a hater that will mourn when others rejoice and you'll rejoice when others mourn. But when you realize that God has the fullness inside of himself, do you realize that God is a recession-proof God? He is a depression-proof God. He doesn't borrow from any other nations that all things exist in him. And because God takes care of them, it's just evidence that God is going to take care of you as well. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? But then the other thing I like about it is that the word says, it's the same thing, but he healed all of them. No, 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 maybe, maybe y'all maybe been in church too long. The word says he, no, he stays there. He ain't, in, he ain't in no hurry. He ain't, he ain't in no rush. Like they may have been waiting for a long time, but if they did not give up, then they would get what they came for. So a part of receiving the healing was able to be able to endure the waiting. See, the word says he healed all of them. No, y'all. The line is from here to Madison. Listen, it's demon-possessed folk, folk with the issue of blood, withered hands, deaf ears, blind eyes, crippled feet, evil spirits, and the word says he heals all of them. So that watch this, Lewis. By the time Jesus is done, there ain't a cough. There ain't a sneeze. There ain't a limp. Folk are taking off glasses and crushing them. People are pulling out hearing aids and throwing them away. Folk are taking sleep apnea machines and leaving them by the wayside. Folk are tipping over wheelchairs, throwing down canes, 
breaking crutches over their knees. And by the time he's done, the word says that there ain't no sick amongst them. And what Jesus does is he recreates Eden and foreshadows heaven. Because right there, you got the presence of God with people that ain't got no defects. Oh, y'all didn't hear that today. God's presence, people with no sickness, is a recreation of Eden and a foreshadowing of heaven. So, so why is that so important? Because not only is it a foreshadowing of heaven, it is a representation of sanctification. What do you mean, Pastor? Listen, Jesus stays there until they are completely perfected. Now the funny thing about it is they can't add nothing to their own perfection. All they can do is wait in line and let Jesus do his work. But if they get patient, impatient, they're going to go just like they came in. And so the word literally says that he healed them all. So some of them have been waiting on their deliverance for 10 years. Some have been waiting on deliverance for 20 years. Some have been waiting on deliverance for 30 years. Some have assumed that they won't never get delivered. But because Jesus is so patient. See, Jesus says, I'm going to, listen, see, y'all not get this. He says, I'm going to stay here. And I'm going to keep working on you until my work is complete. And if you don't give up on the process, I won't give up on your imperfections. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? He's saying, as long as you let me keep working, I'll heal you of your condition. If you let him keep working, he'll take the taste of smoke from your mouth. If you let him keep working, he'll take alcohol off your tongue. If you let him keep working, he'll take the spirit of lust from your heart. If you let him keep working, he'll take covetousness from your soul. But you can't get impatient. You've got to let him keep working on you until his work is complete. Now, the reason that's important is because some of us are like those who are in 1 John. Man, it's not yet clear what we're going to be. I don't know what we're going to become. But the promise of God is this, is that if he began a good work in you, he's going to continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's not quite clear what we're going to be, but the Bible says that when he appears, we shall be like him and see him as he is. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, like those in the line, they, they didn't ever, some of them never think deliverance is going to come. And see, I want to minister real quick to that person who thinks deliverance won't never come. See, I need to talk to that person who's fallen in sin more times than you would ever admit in church. I'm talking to that person that, like, is afraid to say, I'm sorry to God again because you've had to pray that same prayer so many times. I'm talking to that person who's messed up so many times that the devil literally beats you up with the spirit of accusation to try to convince you that the arm of the Lord is too short to save. But the word teaches us that if you just stay in line, if you just keep waiting on Jesus, if you just keep letting him perform his work, that he'll do it until its completion. Are you hearing the word today, saints? And see, listen, I, I just really wanted to stop by. You can play something for me today. Uh, is I wanted to let somebody understand this true thing about Jesus. Is that it's, it's a very simple thing. I mean, it's, it's something that's so obscure that we overlook it most days. Jesus said, listen, I can stay up here all day and I can be straight. But, but I'm not good being God by myself in a vacuum. My joy is only complete if my people are with me. So realize that he didn't just start coming to our level when he left the mountain. He started coming down to our level from the very beginning. After Adam and Eve sinned and they, they had their fake human covering, fig leaves, Jesus came on their level and covered them with lamb skin. Jesus came to our level in Exodus 25, 8, when he says, let them build me a sanctuary that I might dwell amongst them. 
But then he says, I got to still come to the level. I got to be born in the womb of a virgin. I've got to live. I've got to die so I can go back and intercede on their behalf. But then he says, I'm going to come to your level even more because I got to go away. Because if I don't go, the Holy Spirit will not come and live inside of you. Because some of us are saying, he ain't on our level no more through the Holy Spirit. He dwells on the inside of you and he dwells on the inside of me. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the thing that I've been trying to do these last couple of weeks is to just help somebody become convinced of God's love. Like, real talk, spiritually, it will never break, it will never change until you become convinced of God's love for you. And the reason some of us are not convinced about his love is because we're convinced more by what man's opinions are than what God says about us. And I need some young person, some young adult, some person that's been far from God for a long time to understand that God is not waiting on you to make the first move. He's already moved towards your brokenness. He's already come down uh, on your level. He, he left the mountain so that anybody that wanted to reach him, that his availability would be based upon desire and not your ability to do it or to perform it. So that anybody who wanted to reach Jesus that day was able to do it. And see, I need somebody to understand that even though you feel far from God, I need you to understand that your call to God it's not a long-distance call. He's right there. He's within your reach. And he's already made his decision about you. He just needs you to make a decision about him. Jesus, he came to our level. He came to meet us where we are. And there's somebody that's simply got to come to a place where you say, Lord, thank you for coming to my level. I receive your invitation. I want to walk to you with you by faith. So if you're here today, I invite you to stand to your feet as we get ready to close this service out. I'm going to ask if we can cease the movement in the sanctuary for ushers if you would hold the door for me today. As they lower the lights so that you can contemplate. My appeal today is very simple. It is for that person, that persons, who for whatever reason you're feeling far from God, feeling alienated from Him. You've been operating in this spiritually hollow place but God's word to somebody today is simply this that that I'm putting myself within your reach he's wanting somebody to understand that I put myself close and I didn't stand behind the veil so that you can know whatever your condition is my grace is sufficient he wants you to understand that you don't have to get right in order to come but, but I'm better than the Affordable Health Care Act. I take you with all your conditions and I still provide coverage for you. He wants you to understand that my grace is more than sufficient. So today you're here, maybe you're in the balcony, maybe you're on the fourth floor, and the Spirit of God is dealing with you. You've been feeling far from God. You've been feeling estranged from God. You've been feeling alienated from God. I need you to know that you need not leave that way again, but God wants to draw you into an intimate space, into a personal space, into a space designed for you and him alone. So today you're here. You're saying, I'm tired of feeling estranged. I'm, I'm tired of feeling like a, an alien, an alien. I'm tired of feeling like a foreigner. But today, I, I, I want to be close to Jesus. 
I realize that he's already come down to my level. He's put himself within my reach. And so today you want to make that decision to say, I'm no longer going to act as a stepchild or as an adopted child, but I want to act as a son, as a daughter of the Most High God. And so today, through dedication, through Bible study, baptism, rebaptism, uh, 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 con uh, uh, confession of faith, you want to make that decision toward Christ. If you're here today, just you want to make that choice, just tell your neighbor, excuse me, step out of your aisle, come down to the front, give me your hand, give Jesus your heart. I need you to know that this message is not an accident. God has already ordained for you to be here on this day. He's ordained for you to hear this word so that you can make this decision. And so today, my brother, my sister, if you're here, Jesus says, all that come to me, I will in no wise cast them out. You don't need to leave feeling far from God. You can leave knowing that you are his child. So today, if the Spirit of God is calling you, moving you, just tell your neighbor, excuse me. Come down to the front, give me your hand, give Jesus your heart today. I'm going to pray, Father, would you just give your son, your daughter, give them the courage to make an eternal choice today. In Jesus' name. God bless you, my sister. Praise God. Is there somebody else today? You want to make that eternal choice? Right now, you're not looking around. You're, you're interceding for yourself. You're interceding for that family member, that friend that needs to come and give their life to Jesus. There, there are some of us that, that, that have been living under the accuser's voice too long. There's some of my young people, you allow the spirit of guilt to overwhelm you and alienate you from God. And today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Would you just say yes to his will and his direction? God bless you, sister. Praise God. There's somebody else today. You want to say yes to Jesus. You're saying, I'm, I'm tired of feeling far. I'm, I'm tired of feeling like I'm in a long-distance relationship. No, no, God is a God of personal relationship. He is a God of access. He is a God of intimacy. And, and your relationship with God should not just feel strong or connected here in the corporate church setting. You ought to have a sense of intimacy with God in your living room, in your car, in your workplace. And God desires that kind of fellowship with you. So if you're in the balcony, if you're in the mother's room on the floor, and you want to move in response to the call of God, maybe you need to get baptized for the remission of your sins. You need to have all your iniquities blotted out. If you're here today, why don't you come? Maybe you just need to come, say, I need to get back in church. Need to get connected to spiritual things again. Want to come? God bless you, little man. Praise God. What a great decision to serve God. What a need the way, Mom. Is there somebody else today? You want to make that decision to serve Jesus? You want to say, I want to get committed with him. I want to get connected to him. I want to say yes to his will and his direction. If you're here, want you come? Want you come? I want to make a brief call. Musicians, you bring it down just a little bit. Bring it down just a little bit. Holy Spirit, right now, is dealing with a man in this place. Brother, I don't know who you are. God does. And He's working on the inside of you, not with threats, but through a divine invitation of love. The anxiety the nervousness, the stripping of peace that you feel inwardly. It is the call of God on your life. So today, my brother, if you're in the balcony, on the floor, you've been bold about a lot of stuff in your life, but you know what the boldest decision that a man can make is to say without the support of a posse or friend, I'm, I'm, I'm standing for Jesus. So today, my brother, make the man's decision. Make the man's choice. If you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Come on, brother. Doors of the church are open. Won't you come in? Where you at, brother? Holy Spirit, would you free that man? Would you release him? So if you hear his voice, brother, you can come from the balcony in the mother's room on the floor, wherever you are. I just want to give that last appeal to, the, to my brothers here who need to make that decision for Christ who need to understand that your habit does not have dominion over you. Your habit is not who you are. And that where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I want to make that appeal for that brother. Why don't you come in these next few seconds? And it's not just for the brother. Sister, if you're here, the Spirit of God is moving upon you, and, and you hear his voice, 
and you're saying, man, I realize it's not an accident, but God has been moving me to this place, to this level place where I can have access with the Savior. If you're here today, why don't you just come? Sister, if you're here, family, you want to come? Don't harden your heart. Don't say no. Don't resist. Come on, brother. God's calling you. And even as I'm praying this prayer, you can come. My last appeal is this. So do me a favor, church family. I know you've been in a prayer posture, but I need you to look at me for a second. The ministry of Jesus taught us so many things. Right now, we're about to move into a season of service in anticipation as a part of our fall evangelism. We're, we're not just going to start with the preaching of the word. We're going to start with acts of kindness and love to our community. And I need you to understand that, that real ministry cannot be done at an arm's distance. Our, you know, real ministry, does, it just doesn't happen on Sabbath. It happens in your neighborhood, in your office, where you work. And so for the next 40 days, we're going to be praying and we're going to be studying together. And we're going to be doing some very practical things to be a light in darkness, to brighten the corner where God has us positioned. And you want to simply say, Pastor, I, I realize that, that one of the reasons I've spiritually plateaued is because I'm an inlet for blessing, but I have no outlet to be a blessing. See, there are some of us that you, you still feel like ministry is the job of the minister. No, no, I'm a minister by vocation, but we're all ministers by calling. And see, the next level for us at First Church is to make sure that our ministry is not just done in the building on the hill, but we got to get down on the level place where the people are so that we can be a blessing for the kingdom of God. So I'm inviting, I'm praying and imploring you to join in us. Again, this is not something that's going to be recorded in church, but to simply say, you be salt where you are, be light where you are, be a servant where you are. We are all ministers of divine grace. That's the challenge and the larger call to the body of Christ today. Father, we again thank you so much for your word. Your word is a lamp unto our feet and it is a light unto our path. And Father, my prayer is simply this, that you would help us to leave thoroughly convinced beyond all doubt of your love for us. We're grateful, Lord, that you came down to our level, that you gave up glory, and that you were willing to take on the earth. We're thankful that you did not consider it robbery to be uh, separated from equality with the Father. We're thankful, Lord, that, that Jesus modeled a ministry of personal nature where you connected with mankind to show us how our ministry is supposed to function. So, Lord, I'm praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm praying, dear God, for those that have come down, that they would know that they are loved. And I pray specifically that they would leave not feeling far from you, but they would leave knowing that they are closer now than ever before. So, Lord, would you bless us? Would you keep us? Would you anoint us with divine grace and power, we pray. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, let God's people say together, amen and amen. You may be We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the First SBA Church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsbachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m., and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.